everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. It kind of like dawned on me that everybody's kind of like searching for their own significance. And I think the key is finding significance in the everyday that you are significant to somebody. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we know all the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today we're talking, just the two of us, about last week's episode with Amanda McKay, a mindfulness-based wellness coach and owner of Amanda McKay Health. She helps people mindfully align their daily tasks, habits, and routines with their core values to reduce stress, protect their energy and time, and live a more purposeful and authentic life. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Courtney, let's get started. Let's get started. Oh, that was such a good one. It was good. I felt like I would totally benefit from having something like that. I felt like you would too. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I, I just, I feel like I have a good handle on some things and I've always had great success with therapy and counseling, but I really liked the mindfulness connection and the actions to help get your mind in the right space. I feel like that's always what's lacking. Yeah. This is a podcast. So like Obviously, can't see Dana's face, but when Dana's super stressed, she actually gets like stress eye. Like yeah. oftentimes, when she's like having a really hard time, I can look at her and be like, "Is there something going on?" Because her body just like gives it away. Yeah, I like lived with stress eye like my junior year of college. Yeah, yeah. And you have like a hernia, had an ulcer. ulcer at some point, right? I yes. Did. Yeah, I was a little stressed out. <laughs> well, I don't. I was trying to get two degrees, and I was a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher, so I had to finish a semester early. So I was taking like 22, 23 hours every semester. Yeah. And junior year is a hard year because it's like the year you like really get into your major. So yeah. I was taking like OCHEM, PCHEM. All the chems. Physics, like all that stuff. It was just a lot. Was physics your junior year? Physics too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I took both my sophomore year, like the first and second. Yeah. Anyways, but I love the question and I'd love to ask you this. Where do you want to be? Where are you now and why are you stuck? See, like those questions are always like so hard for me because I I am goal driven. Like I have like something that I'm working on all the time, but I'm very present minded all the time. I, I feel like like I kind of just live in today a lot of the times. So it's very hard for me to like put words to where do I want to be? I'm probably stuck here because I don't think about it. I don't know. Where do I want to be? Like I was doing yoga this morning. And the, one of the things that kind of popped in my head was just people in general, and I guess me included, kind of like searching for significance, like what's my significance mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. So I, like my mental space has been kind of in that spot lately. So I guess where I want to be, I want to be significant, but for what reason, I do not know. So maybe that's what's blocking me because I don't know what my significance is going to be. That's fair. Yeah. 
I'm like not a very in tune, Dana knows this, but probably the podcast world at large doesn't know this, very in tune with like my mental emotional space. I'm very bodily in tune to my like emotional space, but like mentally, it's like a disconnect. Right. It's true. It's true. It's totally true. Yeah. I don't know. I, where do you want to be? I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't really know fully where I want to be. I think I know the state of mind I want to be okay. at. How about that? Let's do that. I want to be in a place where I feel fulfilled with the everyday, where I'm not constantly searching to have a purpose or to validate or to prove myself that I am just comfortable in the ordinary, regular day that I lead. And I feel like I struggle with that. Where I am now is I feel like I genuinely feel like I hustle every day until I can't. And then I do literally nothing because I'm just going through a phase of burnout slash depression. But I feel like I can never stop. Like I can never stop moving. I can never stop doing. I can never stop growing. And I don't begrudge it because I think it brings me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I look at it and I'm like, why, why am I doing it? I think I'm, I think I'm still trying to search and find that thing that I finally hustle to. That is it. I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And I feel like I, I get closer and closer every year. Like Rachel Sheeran had that, um, I don't remember. It was like at the beginning of the year and it was like, make your, you know, effortless. effortless yeah. My effortless was extremely long. And there were things on it I should not share on the podcast, what was on my effort list, but it was things that I wanted to let go of it, but it's just not time to let go of it. I know. I'm sure my name was on there, but yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, I feel like there's parts of my business that I have fallen out of love with mm-hmm. and, and it's not because it doesn't serve a purpose. It's because it doesn't serve a purpose in my life anymore. And I'm stuck because I care about what people think. And I care about, I care about the people that we like that depend on me. I agree with that. I think as your coach looking outside in here that, um, what do you think? You've always thrived on like overcommitment and being busy. Like even thinking about like high school and thinking about college and like, even when she taught, it wasn't crazy about teaching. She like led the honors council and then taught our coach softball and all these things. Like Dana's always been an overcommitter. And as someone who has some insight into Dana, because I've known her for her whole life, I like, I protect that. Like Dana's the president of NACE. Um, and it was like a real conversation. Like, hey, like you're going to be the president of NACE. I know you can't half-ass anything. You're going to whole-ass everything. Like, what is this going to mean for our business? Like, how are we going to structure things and whatnot? I'm not saying any huge changes were made, but just throw it out there. Like, hey, like I know how you commit to things and we never halfway commit by we, I mean, Dana, halfway commit to anything. So I think one thing that would be awesome is just like some self-awareness surrounding that, like that fact that you do so easily, not with like flippantly, but sometimes I've felt that way, commit to things without really understanding how much you care about things and how much of yourself you give to things. Totally. I can't do anything halfway. That's right. I I know you can't. And I do know that about myself, but I think what it really boils down to, if I'm going to go search into the depths of my soul as to why I do these things and I have discovered them as I've gotten older is I, one, have serious FOMO, like about everything. Like I'm always afraid of what I'm missing out. But I think growing up, the life that I had was, I had a great childhood, don't get me wrong, but 
I was so searching for to be part of something. Like I was never part of something where I was like either the best or I was never like I wasn't popular in high school. I was known, but I wasn't popular. I wasn't the cool kid. I played softball and I absolutely loved it and I wasn't good at it. Like I was okay. I was great until I turned 14 and then I just wasn't good. And I always tried to be good and I just tried to make myself, you know, myself faster. I couldn't be faster. I tried to make myself more athletic. I am not an athletic person. I am just not naturally athletic. Not good at it. You're like a baby giraffe. Yeah. But so then I was like, I'm going to swim. And I was good at swimming, but I wasn't great, you know. And so I feel like my whole life I've like been trying to search for that thing that is going to make like people look at like, wow, like she's so good at that, Mm -hmm. you know. And there is this feeling, I mean, Courtney talked about this often, especially in the industry, because the industry is slightly like high school. Like you have the popular kids, you have the unpopular, not, I won't say unpopular kids, but, um, but we're, we're pretty chill. And so we are, we have never been the people that are like, in order to be my friend, you must Instagram about me and tag me and send me these gifts and right. But that's just not who we are. It's, it's just not like, I appreciate it, but it is, I'm not going to love you more or less if you do or don't give me something or give me a shout out on Instagram. Yeah. And what that does is sometimes like I say that and it is true, but I I always felt often forgotten. You felt forgotten? Yeah. Like we were always just like the steady. Yeah. Oh, they're always there. Like the amount of times people would cancel on us because they're like, Dana and Courtney understand. And it's true. We a hundred percent understand. Yeah. But it's just not a priority because we understand. And so I feel like that's my entire life. It's just, I've never been the one that has been the priority to anybody other than my husband, truly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I try to make myself more important. Like that's the God's honest truth of it. I try to make myself more indisposable and more like just important to make myself feel better. Yeah. It feels like you should have been in my yoga session mentally searching for significance. Yeah, I guess so. It kind of like dawned on me that everybody's kind of like searching for their own significance. And I think the key is finding significance in the everyday Mm -hmm. that you are significant to somebody, significant to you minimally. Right. I mean, I know that. So I like, I I understand why I do the things that I do. It doesn't mean I don't do them. (laughs) (laughs) Self-awareness doesn't change action. It does not in my case. But it's supposed to. (laughs) Well, that was deep, Dana. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. That's probably hard. Mm-hmm. So what do you think will finally make you feel valued or significant? I have no idea. Okay. I, 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 I don't know that because I think that is a very deep question. It's a lot of soul searching. Like yeah. I can understand why I'm stuck. I can understand why, where I want to be and where I am. I don't think I've searched deep enough to understand how to get there. I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I really love what she said about how self-awareness leads to emotional intelligence. Yes. Because I I feel like that's kind of part of it. And I can understand my emotions because I understand my self-awareness. But that hasn't always been the case, right? I've had walked down that path because I don't have a whole lot of like mental, emotional intelligence. I just don't feel things. And then I do feel things. And it feels like there's not really like an in-between. Would you say that you're a super self-aware person? I'd say that I am self-aware like 75% of the time. And then the 25% of the time, I'm not aware. Yeah. I know you probably think I'm not self-aware. No, I think you're people aware. 
I think you are aware, more aware of your surroundings than probably anybody else that I know. Like, I think you can recognize to an extent. I don't, I feel like somebody don't pick up on the nuances of people's emotions. Or I just don't care. I think you are more aware of what everyone else is going on more than you're aware of what's going on inside yourself until you've hit some pivotal moment, some like physical release, whether yeah. that's crying on a Zoom call. <laughs> Oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> or whatever. And you're like, oh, maybe I am kind of upset about this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is I feel like I'm fine, 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 fine. And I am aware. Like I can say, oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. Like I take lots of time for journaling and yoga and meditation and whatnot until I'm not. Right. Because I have something about the nuances of like the little things that build up that aren't like registering with me. So maybe I'm not self-aware because I don't know when something's bothering me until it like really bothers me. Right. But I think it goes a lot along with who you like, kind of like your personality too, is you are someone that kind of gives like you're all in all the time. Yeah. And I think it's easy to take advantage of that because you aren't aware of always how like you feel about it until you're like, wait a minute, I don't like this. Yeah. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I do feel that way. Like I'm like, Skipping along, skip, 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 skip. And then I'm like, wait, how did we get here? I was just following so-and-so. This isn't where I want to be anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I've totally, I've had that moment multiple times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe to answer your question, maybe that doesn't make me a self-aware person. You're like half there. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I feel like I have to fight for it, honestly. Like, that's really what it is for me that I've realized is that kind of growing up with our upbringing. I know you talk about being the middle child. I was the oldest child and I took care of the family a lot, like did a lot of the cooking and making sure brothers and sisters were watched and mom was taken care of. Like I had to get my learner's permit. Like the day I turned 15, even though I really wasn't super keen on driving because I had to take my mom to appointments and she wasn't able to drive at the time. So like that was kind of like my role, like was always very much in service to what other people needed around me. So like, as I grew up, I didn't really have a pulse on what I wanted. Like, I didn't understand how to think for myself in terms of like emotional needs, right? Because it was never a thing. Well, don't you think it's because I personally feel like the reason why you felt that way is because you didn't think you were worth it. Like your emotions weren't necessary. And how well, it wasn't felt. important to the going concern. Well, to I, everybody else, not to you, right. but to everybody else, it wasn't important. So why waste right. your energy on it? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it didn't matter how I felt about something. It just is what it was. Right. So why put weight on emotions that weren't going anywhere anyway? Right. So I think I learned very early on that. So then it's been a life journey to get back to thinking like, okay, maybe I really do have emotions, both positive and negative. And I can't deal with them. Like, this is like the one thing I'm, I'm having to talk to you about this. Whether it's like super positive or super negative, I have the same reaction, the same bodily reaction. Like if I'm like super excited about something, it will like trigger a migraine. Mm-hmm. If I'm super upset about something, it will trigger a migraine. Like I don't know how to process big emotions like on either side. Which is so weird because I was always the emotional one. Like I, I was always up and down and I'm like, I think I'm like up and down, but I don't have like extreme up and downs. I'm like this, I'm like the little blip in the roller coasters, but I'm not like the big roller coaster. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you see me as a big roller coaster? Yeah. With oh. longer plateaus in between. <laughs> longer plateaus. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. So you're like something at like Six Flags and I'm like the train at Disney World. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, the train at Disney World did not go up and down, but yes, totally. I, I also feel like that kind of example that you're talking about really leads a lot into our how our business is because I'm very much like a putt-putt go along, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll go through the emotions of whenever we have a project of, I'm excited. It's great. And then what the hell are we doing? Why are we doing this? We're not doing this until you have XYZ in place. And I feel like you're the one because you have these big excitement levels. Yeah. Which is so odd because you were never a risky person like growing up. Like you did the, you always did the safe thing. You always, you stayed home. You didn't live on campus. You lived on campus for a year, whatever, not the whole thing. You know, you graduated early, not because you didn't love college, but just because it was what was made financial sense. You know, like, I feel like you always took the very rational route in life until all of a sudden it was irrational. I feel like I always grew up with the thought that I could do anything. Like I believed to the core of who I am that I was capable of doing whatever it was that I set out to do. So it didn't seem irrational to me. It seemed like it had to work because I believed that it would work. So do you feel like when she was talking about how there were people in her life who just kind of faded away and were those kind of displaced their own fears onto you or like had a negative thought about you going into this? Like, was there anybody in your life that you could think of where they played that role where they were like, I can't support you in this or I think this is not smart? No, I felt like to me, it wasn't so much someone saying, oh, you can't do it. It was just like minimizing it. Like it was always very minimized by our family. Like every time you'd go down to Florida and I think they feel differently about it now that they've experienced it, that it was like, oh, you're, how's your little business? Like, how is your, how's that wedding thing going? Like it, it was all in the way that they spoke about it. That was like minimizing it in their mind. And it was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like we're doing big things, right? Like, and then I felt like, and I had a lot, I still on some level hate talking to them about it because I just don't feel like there's the same mindset, but I always felt like I was like, when I tried to explain to them what the business was or the scale of the business or whatever, I felt like I was justifying it to them. Mm. But yeah, I didn't feel like I needed to justify. Like I wasn't doing it for my benefit to feel better about it. Mm-hmm. But just to even continue conversation, I would want to minimize it in, in the conversation. Like, oh, it's no big deal or everything's fine or whatever. Right. So I felt like to me, it wasn't so much someone overtly saying, you can't do this or that's not, that's risky or that's whatever. Actually, I had, I had one moment that was like super redeeming. Uh, a colleague of mine, so we built the Bradford while I was still teaching. So, I mean, I would take all of my planning. This is what everyone's what every kid's teacher or parent of every kid, they want to hear their teacher talking about. I would take my planning. I was working with the contractor, chatting with Dana, figuring out inspections and all those kind of things. And I had a colleague of mine, he was a social studies teacher who was just recently, like a few years ago, promoted to like head of operations for the hurricanes, like all of their merchandise and whatnot. So he all of a sudden he's teaching and he has this team of people that he's leading for like merchandising and like processing it and ticketing it and selling it and all those things. And he said, and all I could think of is like what you must have gone through when you were a teacher and running this business. Like, I didn't think it was any big deal, but now doing this, I'm like, oh my God, how did Courtney do that? Like, this is such a big deal. He's like, and I just want to let you know, like how much I admire you. Mm. 
like having walked through this path and seeing you walk through that path, like you were like amazing. Hmm. I was like, well, thanks for calling. Like he literally called me for that purpose. And I think that there are a lot of people who just can't relate. Right. They don't really understand until you're walking it yourself. I think that's really true. I think there are people that cared about me that were concerned about me. And I didn't cut them out of my life because they concerned and they supported, but they still weren't the ones that are going to say whatever I wanted them to hear. I feel like the year we started the like C&D, it was very organic. Like we just did it alongside of teaching. So it wasn't like a huge thing. But when we started building the Bradford is when you really started hearing people kind of had those seeds of doubt of, is this really what you're going to be doing? And truthfully, in the moment, I was like, no, this is not what I want to be doing. This is what we are doing, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, I felt, I feel like for those people now, like I appreciated how their concern, it was just out of love, right? It wasn't because they were trying to bring, like tear me down, but now they're my biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I just, I don't know to me, sometimes I ask myself, where does the boldness come from? I feel like it grows every year. Mm-hmm. Like oh, it just, you get bolder and bolder and if everything feels a little bit less risky. Yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely, I think having some self-awareness is important. Like we know that we're like risk adverse people. So like we make moves when we have infrastructure and the money to make moves. And like the riskiest thing we ever did was start the Bradford. And even that at that time, the way we did it wasn't super, super risky till we got in the middle of it. And we were like, oh shit, what have we done? Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, like it, it was risky, but not super risky. I always say that year. So like my husband's very like, he's like our money person, right? And and he he gets a lot of joy out of putting money in savings. Yeah, I get a like lot a of joy out of spending our money. And I get that. Yeah, but he going through the building process and we've talked about it in the first episode, how we basically ran out of money. It almost like triggered this freedom in him realizing that money isn't everything. Like we are not going to lose. If we lost everything, we lost every penny we owned, we would still be fine. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there was like almost a release of that pressure on him, you know? And I, I feel like that's a lot of what I look at where we can now, like the risk is very different because we did lose everything. Like we did have nothing. And what could be worse than that? You know, in terms of business, like the business fails, it's not like it's gonna, right. Like we're still going to be married. We're still going to have a beautiful family. Like all the things that matter in life are still going to be there. So there's just a different attitude about it. I feel like, I feel like just a lot of it honestly is like getting back to that thought of self-awareness leads to emotional intelligence. Like when you're self-aware and you understand what makes you tick or you understand how you process emotion, then I think that you can make emotionally intelligent choices for you. Like for me, understanding that I'm super excited at the beginning and even though like it may trigger some weird migraine thing, like I just know that I'm feeling overly happy about something, right? Or it used to be super scary to me, like what's wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But then also knowing kind of my temperament in the middle of a project, my very much emotional platitude, like I don't feel things mentally. And that's really helpful in a lot of situations. And it doesn't catch up to me till later when I feel it physically. Whether that's going to be helpful in the long run, I don't know. I'll see you at 100. I'm not sure. So I think that understanding like 
how you tick allows you to make great decisions, both in life and in business. And I think understanding that, like how you are, like kind of the ups and downs, like not reading too much into an up, knowing it's going to be a down or not reading too much into a down, knowing it's going to be an up because it's kind of like how you are and it's going to pass and it's, we're going to move on. You're going to be able to work through it because you know your work ethic, you know how you are, allows you to make decisions and believe in them. And I think that's really, to me, what it's about is having that personal belief, not really worrying about necessarily what the outsiders of that decision are thinking or believing about you, but what you know to be true and being able to make those like emotionally intelligent decisions kind of walking through that. Yeah. But where I struggle is, and I really think the pandemic has kind of highlighted this part of it is at the core, I know I'm a good person. Like, and I know that we've made decisions that have benefited our clients that have benefited our employees that have benefited the industry. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's hard when that bad review or critic comes in and tries to tell you otherwise, even though you know, you know, you know, you know that this is who you are. Yeah. And I should not worry about what somebody else says. Right. But at the same time, I don't know if it's that doubt. Like, am I really being fair? Yeah. Am I really nice? Or is it just my inflated view of myself? You know, so I, I feel like, if there isn't people in your life that are reaffirming what you know about yourself, yeah. it's really easy to forget who you are. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like that's been a lot of the pandemic is that it hasn't been a lot of assurances. Mm-hmm. You know, there hasn't been a lot of clients. There have been some. We've had good clients. Don't get me wrong. There's always the bad few, but there haven't even clients that are happy. It's not like they're saying, oh my God, that was so fair and so amazing. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is, like crickets. So I'm like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess for me, I kind of look at 2020 as an anomaly. There is not a lot of happiness to float around in general. Yes, that's true. And so I don't really take it personally. I think everybody was kind of working through their own mental gymnastics for like all of 2020. So if if they don't have the bandwidth or the space to tell me how good I'm doing, I'm not well, going to take it personal. Right, right, right. I mean, and that sound, it sounds extremely childish. Like, like affirm me, affirm me, give yeah. me a high five. And that's not really what it is. I think it's more in conjunction with the with the negative. Well, yeah, I think it's hard when you live in like a scorched earth kind of policy, right. which I think was a lot of 2020, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'm having a bad day, so you're going to have a bad day too. And I think a lot of those things come out of that place. But again, I know it's not true. And I can look at it in the context of what the year was. Right. And even though I don't love it for my business and, you know, I'm going to fight it. In fact, like we took somebody to court over a review or to our attorney yeah. over a review, never made it to court. But because um, I do believe what I believe and what I know to be true, um, mentally, I'm not going to, I didn't ascribe any, any self-worth to that. Like it didn't make me doubt. Well, it was because it wasn't about you. <laughs> it didn't put, it didn't make me <laughs> doubt my partners or my business or what we've done or what I know to be true. So I'm sorry that that did happen for you, but it's just not true. I think for you, honestly, like if I'm to think back on it, it wasn't even about you feeling doubt about yourself. You're like, shit, like how is this reflecting on my company? What about the other people who work for me? And you feel like you're not holding your weight as a teammate. That's a very different feeling than like, oh my God, like I couldn't pull this outlier in before I became this. Sorry, team. Right. Which I have felt before. Right. You know? Right, right. 
like I've had to head things off in the past that I knew would hit on a bad review and made concessions that were going to save our ass, even though I know I screwed up. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. But yeah, I, I think that, I don't know, I think that I think it's important. And I feel like a lot of what Amanda was saying was to not allow other people's perception of you to alter your decisions, to change what you know to be true, to be able to kind of block those things out and really listen to yourself intuitively and what you need and what your body needs. I mean, totally. I feel like that's just been the hard part, even about like, it's just, it's the world we live in. We are surrounded by critics. Oh yeah, totally. There's no safe place. I mean, even launching this podcast, there's a, there's a small amount of fear of the critic that's going to come out and there will be some like, and you have to be ready for that. But like, it doesn't mean I should, I should not do something that I want to do because I'm afraid of what someone else is going to think. Yeah. I just, I just want it to be the best that we can do. And then I want that to be good enough for a large majority of people. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody. That's how I feel. Well, I know it's not going to be for everybody. If you're trying to please everybody, you're pleasing nobody. Right, right, right. But I do think that I think when you put your heart and soul into somebody or into somebody, I guess somebody or something, you want it to be successful and you want it to be accepted. Well, uh, so to end the conversation, is there anything you are going to take action on with your day to day to help with your personal mindfulness in business or in life? Well, I kind of loved what she said about, um, we asked her, what should people incorporate in your day-to-day life to kind of like live a healthy, happy life? And she kind of alluded to the fact that there's only a few ways to feed yourself, like to gain energy, right? And kind of being very mindful of the amount of sleep that you get. And I think we've always been super mindful about the amount of sleep that we get. Like we've always been super sleepy. Mm-hmm. Like we like produce too much melatonin in our family. Like all of our family can sleep at the drop of a hat. But food, sleep, and sunlight are really the only ways that you can really bring energy to yourself and kind of being mindful of that. So just being mindful of how I'm fueling myself with like exercise and movement. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Like just a, a moving body is a healthy body. Sleeping, making sure that I'm making good food choices because I can tend to just not eat or just eat a protein bar. And that's backfired before in the past where I just had too much protein and doesn't have good outcomes. It's true. Synthetic protein. Don't do it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, just kind of being mindful of what I use to energize my body and making it a priority because that's what's going to get me to the next thing. Yeah. I had two actually. Okay, two. One, I really loved how she talked about aligning action to your heart rate. And I, you know, the Apple Watch just sometimes pisses me off because it'll say, breathe Dana. And I'm like, one, don't use my name. You don't know me. You're a watch. Mm-hmm. Like, and don't tell me what to do, but it's always in my heart rate's elevated. And it's always in a moment when I'm super stressed about something. And in the middle of COVID, like my, I could never get my resting heart, heart rate to get below 90, like working ever. It was just, it was constant. And so I think the realization that that's obviously my body telling me, and it's not really healthy to live in that state to take some form of action and whether that's either just stretching or walking or whatever mm-hmm. to try to get that heart rate or burning off that and that, you know, adrenaline, whatever is going on. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a really great idea to help yeah. create a more peaceful and mindful business life. But I also really loved the learn to be okay in the block because I hit those so often, like where I, I had this to-do list and I'll just write the to-do item from one list to another list to another list. So I just don't want to do it. And I don't know if it's, I can tell myself, oh, you're just being lazy or, oh, you don't have the time, but there's a reason why I don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, but like 
saying it out loud. This is a block. I don't want to do this. Yeah. This is why. Accepting it, figuring it out, and then doing it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I thought that was like a really like empowering way to look at things where you just feel stupid. Like I still dumb. I'm like, why can I just knock this off my list? Yeah. And I think too, like to that point, there's been things on my list that for whatever reason, I didn't want to do it. And it moved from week to week to week, very similar. And just recently, like I asked Mikhail to do something that I had been avoiding. And I was like, I need you to call this person. I need you to just talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And he like picked up the phone, did it right then. Situation was over. And it's something that I had moved from like week to week to week to week. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, And not for any particular reason, like any over avoidance. It was just like, I just didn't have it in me to do it. And I think sometimes that's okay. It's like to know when you just need to like reach out and be like, hey, this is something I really don't want to do. I want to offload onto you. Can you help? So can I can offload my things out? that I want to do onto you. Should. You should. I really totally should. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. To learn more about Amanda McKay, visit amandamckayhealth.com or follow her on Instagram at Amanda C. McKay. And to learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com, thebradfordnc.com, and hustleandgather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at cndevents, at thebradfordnc, and at hustleandgather. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.